thought after that it was a pretty good game. Uh, for us, it's just about making sure that we come out, making sure we take a first punch, making sure we give a first punch, making sure that we're putting ourselves in a position to where we don't have to dig out of the hole. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Fourth, which is Star Wars Day. You know, may the fourth be with you. I was trying to think of a Star Wars segment or a Star Wars theme or something to do with tonight's show. And I woke up very gung-ho about it. Like, oh, May the 4th. There we go. We can do some, we can make some content out of that. We can do something special, right? It's May the 4th. Everyone loves Star Wars. I like Star Wars. And then throughout the day, I saw what other radio shows were doing with it. All the Star Wars topics and the graphics and the pictures and everything. And that, I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this. I haven't seen a single idea that I liked. Like any topic that I saw today, any theme or like a poll question or whatever, anything related to Star Wars and Sports Radio today, I did not see one topic that I liked. And I couldn't think of one that I liked either. So I think we're just going to skip it. Now, if you want to call in, mention Star Wars, tell me why Attack of the Clones is actually the best Star Wars movie. Well, I'll talk about it with you, but I, I apologize. I've not prepared a Star Wars-themed show tonight. And maybe I dropped the ball. Maybe that's me being lazy. Um, but I, I wanted to. The desire was there. I just, it didn't come together. So I punted on it. We're not going to do it. Um, again, I'll chat Star Wars with you if you want to call in. The Kenobi trailer dropped today. That looks really cool. It's going to be out on Disney Plus before too long. That's exciting. Uh, I just don't know how I can make Star Wars work in this. Like, if every NBA star remaining in the playoffs was Jedi, what Jedi would they be? I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> so we're not gonna. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you've had an awesome day. Game two tonight, it's the the B-side of the second round of the conference semis. So we have Sixers and Heat. That series is really mid. That's just not any good. Uh, it's mostly Gabe Vincent and Max Struess just yelling. So I'm not really looking forward to that game tonight, which is good because I won't get home from work until around 7. That game starts at 6.30. I'll skip the first half, and maybe if the second half is interesting, I'll watch. I'm kidding. I'm going to watch. I'm just going to complain about it. And then the late game, the Suns versus Luka Doncic and the Mavs. So kind of the B-side, not as good as Buck Celtics, which was last night. The Celtics got the win, and not as good as Memphis versus Golden State. That game was electric. I hope you didn't shut it off because it was just about as good of a final four minutes as you could ask for. Trading really tough buckets, both three-point shots and attacking the rim. It was awesome. So I hope you saw the end of that game last night. If you didn't, maybe it'll come up at some point today. We'll certainly hit on it tomorrow in the NBA lounge. So bookmark that. We'll start tomorrow's show. Uh, not just with the Bucks and the Celtics, but some other things going around during the conference semifinals as well. Justin Garcia is going to be here tonight. Bucks Radio Network. WTMJ, he's on Twitter, at TMJ Garcia, a friend of the show, not just a contributor, but a true friend. I love connecting with Justin. He's coming up at 4.30. I actually talked to him about an hour or two ago because he had something to do during the show, so we recorded our conversation. I'll play that for you in about a half hour. We might connect with Chris Porter at some point. We were DMing earlier today, trying to nail down a time, trying to knit. We might. We might in the 5 o'clock hour talk a little Buck Celtics with Chris Porter, but we're going to talk a lot of Buck Celtics, you and me as well. And you can join 608-796-2558 on the talk and text line. If you're on Twitter, you can find me 
at Wisco Grant. Follow me, tweet me. If you hate the show, block me uh, or just ignore me. Although that's not really how the internet works. If you don't like me, you should uh, you should block me or tweet at me uh, and tell me about it. So that's how you can get in touch with the show. Uh, I, I feel a little dirty thinking about yesterday's show. And to be honest, if I may, I blame some of you. This is not my fault. It's not my fault that I feel dirty about yesterday's show. Um, I didn't intend to have the are the Bucks better without Chris Middleton conversation last night. But you, you brought it here. There's a couple people I'm thinking of specifically, and I blame you. Well, actually, I don't know this to be true, but I have a hunch that this is actually Ebo's fault, who does mornings on the zone in Madison. Because I saw some of the tweets about yesterday morning's show, and he got the ball rolling on the Chris Middleton slander, and then that that washed downstream to 4 p.m., and then it showed up on my beach last night between 4 to 6, and I have to somehow explain and defend Chris Middleton and, and explain that he's good, which I don't know how we're in that position given they just won a title with Chris Middleton hitting a bunch of big shots, but whatever. I feel dirty about yesterday's show, thinking, oh, the Bucks are clicking on all cylinders, and uh, they're on on their way to sweeping the Celtics. Middleton shouldn't come back. In fact, he should he should run away. He should move to the Sahara Desert, and I never want to see, see or hear from him again. It's like, what? what? We did that last night. And I said at the end of the show, I said, hey, guys, uh, if the Bucks lose by 20 tonight, we're all going to feel pretty stupid. And I do feel stupid today, and my hope is you feel stupid as well because it's your fault. And I'm talking to a select few of you. Um, but I refuse to wear any of this because I was not going to bring up the are the Bucks better without Chris Middleton. You guys brought that to my doorstep last night. We talked a lot about adjustments last night. Right, Bucks convincing win in game one. So you figure the Celtics will make some adjustments. And the Celtics played great last night. And they won 109-86. to That score even makes it look a little bit closer. That's 13 points. It wasn't even that close. The Celtics at one point led by 26. And the layman, of which we are not, although I'm a little disappointed in some of the Chris Middleton takes from last night, the casual fan would look at last night's game and think, well done, Boston. You, know, you guys watch the film? You made adjustments. You made adjustments. Adjustments, 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 adjustments. You tweaked the rotation and the strategy, and you changed up what you were doing, and your genius adjustments were the reason that you cruised to a Game 2 victory to tie up the Series 1-1. And there were some small adjustments. They helped a little bit less on Giannis, right, which we figured might happen. You know, allow Giannis to do a little bit more. Don't help as much. Don't leave shooters as much. And they did do that a little. And they were forced to do some things differently because Marcus Smart didn't play last night. But honestly, and this is so reductive and simplistic, but I think it's true. Boston made shots. (laughs) Sometimes it's as simple as that. In a make-or-miss league, and the NBA is one. I don't know if you've ever heard that expression before. I think I hear it every other night. I watch NBA games. It's a make or miss league, right, Chuck? Yeah, Ernie, it's a make or miss league, right? We hear that every night. Boston made their shots last night, specifically from three. They finished the game almost 47% from three, which is 10 points over their regular season value. They were a 36% shooting team, actually a little bit less. They were like 35.5% from three in the regular season. They shot 36% in game one. They shot 46 in game two. And if you only look at the first quarter... Don't get me wrong. It's just 12 minutes of the game. But that first quarter and how poorly it went for Milwaukee really kind of established the parameters for the rest of the game. Celtics shot 57% from the field in that quarter. 75% from three. They hit six of their eight three-point attempts in the first quarter. 
In fact, they hit double the amount of three-pointers in the first quarter than the Bucks hit the entire game. The Bucks were the first team to make three or fewer three-point shots since the Suns did it in 1992. That's how long it's been since the team made three or fewer threes. The Celtics doubled up on that in the first quarter, right? 57% from the field in total, 46% for the entire game. Had a lead in the first quarter as large as 15 points. That's a lot to do with shot making. Not adjustments, not tweaks, not, not coaching changes. Shot making. Celtics just played better. And shot making is a hell of a drug. It's not just about scoring, right? It's not just the points that go on the scoreboard. Right, you could look at game one and say, well, they shot 35%. If they only would have shot 39%, they would have made two more threes, add six points, and it would have been a very close game. It's not, it's not that simple. Right, That's only looking at one layer of a basketball game. To say you make three more three-pointers, that's nine points. Add that to the score, the Celtics win. Right, It's not that simple. Shot making and the impact of shot making is so much greater. Right, There's layers to this. Right, Making a basket is like... Uh, it's like getting a good night's sleep, okay? Getting a good night's sleep. Good eight hours. You wake up feeling rested and ready to go, right? Shot making and shooting a solid percentage from the field is like a, a good night's sleep, right? Because when you wake up well-rested, you're more likely to get a workout in. Maybe you go on a jog, right? You go for a walk in the morning. You go to the gym. Maybe you do a little weightlifting. Maybe you go swim. Swim laps before work, Right? And this makes you feel better throughout the day, right? You feel like you're more awake. You feel clearer in the head. Physically, you feel like not slobby and gross. You feel like you got up and you worked out and you're feeling good about yourself, right? That's a product of a good night's sleep, the motivation and the energy to go to the gym. But that's not just it. We we talk about uh, if you're well-rested, you're more likely to be awake, alert, and uh, maybe cook a healthy meal, Right? You come home from work, you have a little bit more energy because of that sleep you got, so you don't make a frozen pizza. Maybe you uh, you make some chicken and rice. Make up a nice salad, right? Some spring greens, maybe some cherry tomatoes. That makes you feel better, right? So, again, it's not just the sleep that makes you feel better. It's the effect of getting that good night's sleep. You have motivation to go to the gym, which makes you feel better. You have time and energy to make a healthy meal, which makes you feel better. When you're well-rested, you're more likely to get to work on time. Like, I'm always 5, 10 minutes late for work. I don't have a set schedule. I like to get here at 11 a.m. Some days that turns into 11.30, and I already feel like I'm behind. But if I'm well-rested, I'm always here at 11. Or maybe you have to clock in at a very specific time every day. I feel like a lot of people do. Maybe you show up to work not just on time when you're well-rested, but you, you're ready to go, right? You know where all your papers are in your briefcase. You sit down. You're ready to go. Maybe you make a, a to-do list, and you're ready to tackle the day right when you punch into work, right? And that makes you feel better. That's a result of getting a good night's sleep. When you're well-rested, you get your eight hours, you're more likely to, I don't know, budget your time better throughout the day, right? So maybe now you have an extra hour that you wouldn't have if you got a bad night's sleep. Because I know for me, I'll get up at seven. But if I still feel tired and I didn't get my eight hours because I stayed up late to watch a game or I watched a movie or whatever, maybe I lounge in bed for an extra 45 minutes because I don't have kids and I have the privilege to do that if I want. But now there's 45 minutes of my day that's just gone. If I shoot out of bed at 7 o'clock and attack the day, now I've got an extra hour or so to get coffee if I want. Maybe stop, see a friend. Uh, maybe if you have children, that's 45 minutes that you have to sit down, help them with their homework. right? Maybe if you don't have kids and you have an extra 45 minutes, maybe you sit down and uh, 
You play that guitar that you've had in your closet for three years. You wanted to learn, right? Or you have some time for yourself. You can play some video games, right? All of those things will make you feel better. Fun things in your spare time. So just off the top of my head, I thought of four things. Was that four? Four things that are an effect, a trickle-down effect of a good night's sleep. You get a workout in. Maybe take the time to cook a healthy meal. You get to work on time. You feel more organized. You budget your time better. You have free time for fun or catching up with a friend or to be social. That is all a result of getting a good night's sleep, right? A lot of people think, oh, I got my eight hours. I feel great today. Well, think of all the doors that are open by getting your eight hours, right? Shot making is the exact same thing. It's not as simple as adding three points to the scoreboard for a make compared to a miss, right? Shot making is the same thing. When you hit a shot, well, now you have time to get back on defense, right? Now the Bucks aren't grabbing a miss and running, they're inbounding the ball, and they're bringing the ball up the court slowly, and your defense is set. Celtics' defense is set. Everyone's in position. You're picking up the assignments as the guys come down the floor. It looks like it looked on film. Everything is lining up the way it's supposed to, so now it's easier to get a stop, right? And because it's easier to get a stop, maybe you force a turnover. Now you're off and running, and now you've scored another bucket, and now you have another opportunity to get back on defense off of a make, and get your defense set up once again. So as the game goes along, as the Celtics are pouring in more and more shots, the defense gets easier and easier. The crowd gets more and more into it. The confidence of a player like Jalen Brown, who had a really bad you know, first game of the series, well, now he's feeling better as the game goes along. That confidence is stockpiling. And I think that was shown Jalen Brown's confidence in making a lot of contested jumpers last night. Shot making has all of these ripple effects and it's much greater than just extra points on the scoreboard right it's just like a good night's sleep if you go a couple days in a row getting eight hours you feel better and better every day one day uh you're going to the gym oh i feel great got a great workout and the next day i feel so good i'm gonna go to the bank i I gotta square away this issue with my checking account it's been an issue for weeks and i've just been putting it off i'm gonna go get that that wrapped up today oh today i got a little extra energy and time i'm gonna call grandma haven't called her in a while right you you just over the course of a week if you stack up eight hours of sleep every night, it just gets better and better and better. And it has all these trickle-down effects, right? It's the same with shot making. And I know the Celtics did a little bit more one-on-one against Giannis, but you know why that one-on-one was pretty successful with Al Horford or Grant Williams, relatively successful against Giannis? Because they were set up. They were static. The Bucks weren't running. Giannis wasn't running one-on-one at Al Horford in transition. He was bringing the ball up in the half court. And that's a product of the Celtics making shots. Right? The crowd was into it, a product of the Celtics making shots. Ime Udoka calling the shots, literally calling the shots from the sideline, taking timeouts when he wants to, challenging plays when he wants to, making substitutions when he wants to. He has the upper hand as the coach of the team that's making shots. It's like getting an eight-hour night of sleep. It has all of these are an eight-hour good night's sleep. There's all these trickle-down effects. And last night, I think we saw the ripple effects because the Celtics were better in all these different departments, but I think it all stemmed from the ball going through the hoop. They shot 46% from three last night. Really impressive. Uh, And now we have a series, which is kind of awesome because we haven't really had a series like this. Minnesota-Memphis was one thing, but I don't take Minnesota seriously as a title contender. I'm still not sold if I take Memphis seriously either, although Ja was unbelievable last night. I very much take Milwaukee and Boston both seriously as title contenders. And now they're locked horns in a series that's tied 1-1, headed to Milwaukee on Saturday. Got a couple days rest for Marcus Smart to heal up, for the Bucks to get fresh. Maybe George Hill makes an appearance at some point. Oh, yeah. We got a good one, folks. Let's talk more about this. 
I want to talk about game three. They're very, very important. I have a fun stat that I saw on Twitter. First pointed out to me by a listener. It was Schmidt on the North Side who sent it into the morning show this morning. And then I found the stat. It was on Twitter from Justin Garcia, who's going to join the show in about 15 minutes. So first, we're going to start with a stat I saw from Justin, and then we're going to speak with Justin himself. That's all coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, Justin Garcia, our good friend from the Bucks Radio Network. Going to be here in about 15 minutes. We might talk with Chris Porter at some point tonight, our Celtics guy. I'm not sure. We're still going back and forth. I don't know if he's free between 5 to 6. So maybe, possibly. You can join the show at any time. 608-796-2558. Wisco Chad at 409 says, Are there collective sports talk programs better without Dave from Monona? Yes. Um, <laughs> we haven't even heard from Dave today. Dave's funny. Why do you guys say Dave? Yeah, he's kind of crabby. Uh, but he's pushing your buttons, Chad. Don't let him. Robin Stoddard. For Star Wars Evil Galactic Empire sports teams, you don't even have to leave the city of lacrosse. The Aquinas Blue Golds. And yes, I just went there. Are we talking about the Aquinas girls team? Because yes, you're absolutely right. For all the talk about Kobe King, Johnny Davis, Jordan Davis, and, and all those teams. And then, of course, Matt Thomas at Alaska. And I remember the Terrell Stutley team was really, really good, too. Uh, Lexi Donarski might have dwarfed them all. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, Johnny's going to be a lottery pick, so that's pretty... Pretty sizable. But my favorite badger ever, Bronson Koenig, who I actually saw in town the other day. I won't say where, but I did see him bumming around lacrosse. Uh, my favorite badger ever went to Aquinas as well. So, Rob, you might be right about that. Uh, although a couple of other schools around the area with different teams and programs would probably make that case as well. Thank you for the text. 608-796-2558. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I saw uh, stat this morning. You know how Ernie Johnson on Inside the NBA, has a neato stat of the night. Well, Schmidt on the north side at 7.06 this morning uh, sent to the morning show. I've been filling in this week. He texted in, the winner of game three has won the series in the last 10 series. Coach Bud has been the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. And I answered on the talking text line. I said, shut up. Is that real? He says, unless Justin Garcia is lying. And I said, oh, Justin. So we're citing Justin now. So I went to Justin's Twitter account. Pinned, pinned tweet. He said, at the top of my account, this is what it says. And it's a poll question. I suppose I should point out that the winner of game three has won the series in all 10 series Coach Bud has coached since arriving in Milwaukee. Will it be 11 for 11? It's nuts that they're 10 and 0. Now, the Bucks have won a lot of playoff series with Coach Bud, and therefore they've won a lot of games, right? So you could look at any dominant sports team and say, hey, uh, they're they're undefeated in November. Like, uh, look at Alabama football, for example. Uh, you could say, Alabama is undefeated in the month of October in the last six years. And you'd think, wow, that's an unreal stat. Oh, they never lose, no matter what the month is. So, of course, October's going to be a good month for them. I think there's a, a certain level of of obviousness with this. The Bucks have won a lot of playoff series. They've made two conference finals, an NBA finals, and a second round in the bubble. There's going to be a lot of wins in there. And, of course, a lot of them are going to fall in Game 3. Uh, and last year, they were stacking up some Game 3 wins, too, because a bunch of those games were at home in the second round and in the NBA playoffs as well, or in the NBA finals, excuse me. 
I pulled up their playoff history, and I thought we could look at some of these. 2018-2019, which is the year they lost to the Kawhi Leonard Raptors. So if we look at the first round, they swept the Detroit Pistons. So they won game three. Shocker. In the second round, they beat the Celtics in five. Remember, they lost in game one, and then they rattled off four straight wins. Game three, they won a final score of 123 to 116. Giannis had 32, 13, and eight. Oh, my God. And then they get to the conference finals against the Raptors. They win both of those opening games at home. They win game one, 108 to 100, because Brooke Lopez goes for 30. And then game two, Giannis goes for 30. They win 125, 103. And then they didn't win again. Very similar to what the Suns did last year. The Bucks just flipped the, t- the turntables on them. So they lost in game three. They went on to lose the series. If we look at 2019, 2020, and the bubble's a little weird. I will for my entire life tell my kids if I have them and my kids' kids, uh, the, none of this counts. <laughs> None of this counts at all. They lost game one in the bubble to the Orlando Magic, and then they won the next four. And then in the second round against the Heat, they lost game three. Brooke Lopez was their leading scorer in that game. Again, 22. It's funny. I'm looking at the game log here. Location and attendance, HP Fieldhouse, no in-person attendance. Weird. I don't care about those playoffs at all. Now, if we look at last year, maybe even a better indicator, they swept the Heat in the first round. Let's completely discard that. Then in the second round, they play the Nets. Maybe there is a scoop here. Maybe there's a bit of evidence to be learned from last year's net series. So they lost game one, 115-107, and they lost game two by 30, 125-86. Weird similarity, weird shading between last year's game two in Brooklyn and this year's second round game two in Boston, which was last night. Maybe we'll talk about that at some point during the show. Then in game three, last year against the Nets, Chris Middleton goes for 35-15, and And they win. They pull out a really ugly game, 86-83. And then they go on to win the series. They win four of the next five after dropping the first two. And it started by winning game three. Maybe game three should be viewed as this pivotal moment in any series. Right? For example, the Nets started the series up 2-0. And then the series shifts back to Milwaukee. Something changes. There's a seismic event. The location is no longer in Brooklyn. Now it's in Milwaukee, right? So there's a shakeup in this pivotal game three. You don't come back from down 3-0. And technically at this point in the series, the home team hadn't lost a game yet. So we still have a live series. We had a live series until game seven. It took game seven for a team to win on the road in this series. And it was eventually the Bucs in overtime in game seven. So game three, technically, the Bucs are still fine. They have all their home games in front of them, and they held serve at home in game one, two, or in games two, three, and six. But game three represents this turning point, this gotta have it moment. And the Bucks stepped up and met that moment. If you look at the NBA Finals against the Suns, they dropped the first two games, 118-105, 118-108. They're very, very similar. And then, once again, still haven't lost a home game. Series shifts to Milwaukee. It's a turning point. It's a gotta have it game. The Bucks step up. Right? And Giannis goes for 41 and 13. It's just nuts, man. Looking at some of these stats. So, the examples in last year's postseason, game three represented a turning point, right? And it almost also a point of no return. If the Bucs would have lost game three in either one of those last two years, they would not have gone on to, to win the series. They would have lost to the Nets or they would have lost in the finals to the Suns at some point. But winning game three shifted the series back on track. Or, in series that they won a little bit more handily, 
it it helped stretch away from the opposition, right? It helped put some distance. It helped build a gap. I was thinking of famous turning points in battles, in war. And I thought of the Battle of Midway, right? That was the turning point in the Pacific. And whoever gained control of that island had this very strategic fighting point. Right now they could use Midway to keep pushing. It was that anchor point that was located, probably not geographically, right in the middle of the Pacific, but in the middle of the Pacific theater, and it was needed. The United States, the Allies stepped up. They won that battle. They took control, and then it was downhill from there all the way to eventually Japan and then winning the war. I wonder if Game 3 in a lot of these series is in its own way a, a Midway. Right, It's this point of no return. It's a game in which the location switches. So we're going from the home team in Boston, now back to Milwaukee. And game three has shown historically, at least in the Coach Bud era, the winner of the series, the better team, steps up and wins game three. Right, And I guess we'll see if that's the case on Saturday. This is Justin's stat that he pointed out. We're going to have to talk more about this with Justin coming up when he joins the show here in a few minutes. I wonder. And... And if they uh, if they end up losing in Game Three, we can we can blame Justin. Southside Geo texted in and said, "Are we really taking anything Schmidt on the North Side?" Says seriously, guy's a clown and knows. Uh, let me check. Nothing in all caps. That's a feud we need to get going. Southside Geo and Schmidt on the North Side. Let's take a break. We'll talk with Justin Garcia, UWL alum, by the way. I almost forget to bring that up. He's so interesting in all other departments of his life. We never talk about his UW Eagle background. Justin Garcia, Bucks Radio Network, will join the Wisco Sports Show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Talking Bucks Celtics, and we're going to continue to do so until 6 o'clock. I want to talk a little bit about the Brewers. I thought their win last night was pretty darn solid. Some good things to talk about there, so we'll get to that. Get to your thoughts, and I want to talk a little bit of Packers as well. First, I want to get connected with our good friend, frequent contributor to the show. That's Justin Garcia. Talks about games one, games two. We talked to him. I guess I talked to him. About an hour ago, recorded it, and I would like to play that conversation for you now. Enjoy. Justin Garcia is here, Bucks Radio Network, studio host. You hear him on Bucks Talk as well. Justin, we are into the playoffs, uh, two games of the Celtics series in. Really quickly, just kind of from the jump, are you surprised that this is 1-1? Did anything shock you from the last two games? I'm curious. Or is this run of the mill? Is this kind of what you expected? For the most part, it's what I expected. I thought it would have been the inverse. Like I, I expected the Bucks to have... I mean, it was a bad half. It wasn't even a bad game, but I yeah. expected that to be the performance in game one where they come out and it's the typical, wow, this team looks terrible, and game two was where they got the win. So I thought we'd be 1-1 uh, leaving Boston, and I think there was a lot of positives, as crazy as it is to say in a game that you lose by 23 and look as bad as they did for the first 24 minutes. But I, I think there were positives coming out of it. So the Celtics made shots last night. I don't really think it was about adjustments. Maybe a little on defense. They trusted Horford and Grant Williams a little bit more to solo cover, to single cover Giannis. But I don't really think it was that much about adjustments. I started the show by saying, you're going to love this. Shot making is is like a good night's sleep, Justin. All right, you're going to feel better the next day because you're well-rested. 
but you're also more likely to go to the gym and be productive at work and cook a healthy meal. So, yes, you feel better for the sleep, but there's also all of these other effects that lead you to feel better, too. And, and I feel like that's what we saw last night. The Celtics made shots. That was big. But their shot making led to so many other positives for them, too. I, I feel like it was a trickle down that we saw from Boston last night. Yeah, I mean, it, it probably, you know, added to their confidence. But to me, it was the first half. There's a couple of areas you looked at, especially in the first quarter, and you were just like, you know a run is coming. You just got to weather the storm mm-hmm. if you're the Bucks. And I thought one of the big moments was the Peyton Pritchard three that was wiped off the board. And I think that took it from 21 to 18. Uh, and just looking at those little things and saying, okay, it, we thought it was 21. You can really start to silence the crowd a little bit if you go into the second quarter and it's 10 or less than 10. Yep. I think it was 11 or so going in. It was the second quarter where the wheels just kind of fell off and the Celtics hit shots. And to me, the biggest thing from that game was I don't know how much of it is confidence, how much of it is luck, but the biggest difference was the Celtics hit contested shots. And I know everybody or a majority of people can point to, man, this is a worst-case scenario, and I hope the Bucks got their bad game out of their system. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a bad game defensively. Like, the bad was their first-half offense, where it was a lot of isolation. They weren't using Giannis as a screener, and they were playing half-court offense against the Celtics. Both of these teams are really bad half-court offenses that we've seen here in the playoffs, and we certainly saw it in Game 1, where as much as we point to Celtics, you're going to struggle to score against this Bucks team. The Bucks are even worse in the half court. That I think they're around 76 points per possession when you look at 100 possessions, and the Celtics were 78. So really bad is what those numbers are. Bucks actually played a lot better in the half court yesterday, and most of that came in the second half. So yeah. if you could have just done the things you did in the second half in the first half, and instead of going into halftime down 25, it's 15. I think it's a totally different story in the second half because. The Celtics had enough of that grace period, basically, where even when the Bucks went on runs, 25 points against a good defense is a lot to make up, even with the advent of the three-point shot. And as we saw, the Bucks took three of them. So yeah. to me, what stands out is we all pointed to the Celtics 8-22 on wide-open threes in Game 1. Well, it was almost identical in Game 2. They were 10-23 of 23 yeah. on the open looks. They hit contested shots. They were 5-7 of seven on tightly contested threes and four of four in the first half, which I think three were from Jalen Brown. So if you could have weathered that storm, I think it's a totally different game. And, you know, even I know you're familiar with it, but the shot quality Twitter account that, that looks at here's all the shots the teams took and yeah. X amount of time these go in and these don't. So by our metrics, this would have been the final score after game one they still had the Bucks taking the better quality shots and winning the game. It was a much slimmer margin, but they still won. After game two, when they re-ran the numbers here, the shot quality for both teams led to 97.9 points scored. So it was a toss-up on who should have won that game yesterday. And to me, it boils down to, well, the Celtics scored 51 more points on threes, yeah. and it wasn't just open looks. They hit shots that were contested. I mean, right there, 15 points. On, on five tightly contested threes that they made, and, and that's basically the difference in the game. Well, and it could have been the difference in game one, too. If you just took three or four more three-point right. shots that fell in, right, we're talking about a different game, but uh, the Bucks falling behind early is interesting to me. Justin, we are, uh, I believe, two, uh, two good minds that think alike. I'd say you're a great mind uh, with a lot of the things that you're putting out about the Bucks. 
And we had the same thought yesterday. When it was announced Marcus Smart was going to be out, I thought of yeah. game four against Atlanta last year when it felt like the Bucks were about to waltz into a game and then Atlanta came out with their back against the wall and really played like the more desperate team. And I don't know if that's what happened last night. Is that what happened last night? Because one of my favorite Ryan Rossillo-isms is that it's you can't fake desperation, right? Like, the Celtics were going to play like the more desperate team, and I don't know that the Bucks could have faked desperation because they're less desperate. That's something you can't fake. Was it the situation the Celtics were in that allowed them and helped them to get off to that hot start, and that's why they were up so much, or was it something a little bit more concerning that led to that? Um, I mean, I think that was definitely part of it, and I think there, there's desperation in the crowd, too, where, you know, hey, we lose this game. We're down two games to none, and yeah. they're playing without Chris Middleton. And now we got to go to Milwaukee, where it's the opposite of everything that happened for the Bucks and their successes last year. I mean, they were coming home down two games to none, not coming home up two games to none. So I think part of it was that the Celtics were clearly the more desperate team. And, you know, it's clear why. But also, when you ask the question to Coach Budenholzer about the opponents and how do you prep for this or how do you prep for that, you always get the stock answer, which for the most part I believe of, we don't spend too much time on that. You know, we're focused on going through our stuff and, and what we do best, and let's do that, and, and that's how we'll win and, and be successful. But, I mean, there is a component to it of, I would assume you anticipate you're going to see Marcus Smart, and then all of a sudden, 90 minutes before the game, Marcus Smart is out altogether. So it does change some things in terms of your prep for how you get ready for the opponent. And also, I just like the matchup of Drew Holiday against Marcus Smart, and yeah. we did see the Bucks do some things differently on defense yesterday. I'm not sure, having not rewatched the game yet. I'm not sure how much of it was the Bucks saying, "Okay, let's do this." I, I don't know why you would when it was so successful in Game One, versus the Celtics just trying to get in different actions and do some things differently. But you know, Drew on Marcus Smart was extremely successful in Game One. I liked that look, and Wes Matthews on Jason Tatum, and, and we saw a lot of different things with. Drew taking Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Not that that's bad, but the one area I didn't like was you saw a lot of Giannis on Derek White. And I would just rather utilize Giannis elsewhere. Uh, I don't know if the belief was in case the Celtics were trying to run some two-man actions, you got Derek White and Giannis there. So if they do a switch, Giannis is picking up the big and, and you feel like you're better off defensively. But I think that kind of all went into it, that the Bucks just had the perfect game plan perfect scenarios in place and you know it's i'm sure it's a mental thing too because my immediate thought was one i saw a lot of i guess i would say cocky bucks fans on the timeline the last couple of days one of their owners or a family of owner maybe being cocky can we talk about possibly (laughs) uh maybe that's for you to decide uh but i just saw a lot of like this is over and, and people saying it's sweep i mean I never once thought the Bucks were going to sweep the Celtics. I never once thought coming in the Celtics were going to beat the Bucks in five, that a lot of people said. So I think there's that. And then, yeah, you go back to last year. And, you know, I remember doing the pep rally before game four and getting to deliver the news to the crowd of, hey, the Bucks are up 2-1 and Trey Young isn't playing today. So let's start the party already. They're going to be at three games to one. And, and you just see, I mean, there was that. There was James Harden going out 50 seconds into game one against the Nets last year. Bucks lost both of those games. So, Sometimes it's the desperation, and sometimes it's just, okay, we all have to take these things on more, and, and we know the margin for error is much, much smaller now. I mean, think back to the Bucks 
in their game four win against the Heat when they didn't have Giannis mm-hmm. in the bubble. So I, I think you just bring yourself up a level when those things start to happen. It's a good point. I've been comparing the Bucks a little bit to the Packers, right? When Devontae Adams goes down, kind of changes how everyone's wired just a little bit, changes their focus. Sometimes a shakeup isn't the worst thing in the world, and I think maybe the Celtics losing Marcus Smart last night it just got him to, I don't know, perk up a little bit. Of course, they were already down one game to nothing at home, so that was a must-win game already, but a little extra pressure from losing Marcus Smart. It, it could certainly be a thing. We're talking with Justin Garcia, Bucks Radio Network, Twitter, at TMJ Garcia. Uh, I had a, a listener cite you this morning on the morning show. It was uh, Schmidt on the north side who texted in and said that under Coach Bud, the winner of every game three has gone on to win the series. And I responded, I was like, how did I not know this? Shut up, is this real? And he goes, yeah, unless Justin Garcia is lying. And then I went and found it on your Twitter account. So I, at first, I thought you'd get a kick out of being cited, uh, yeah. Garcia at all, or something like that, in the, in the footnotes of the morning show this morning in lacrosse. Why, why, does that, why does it work out that way? Is it a coincidence, or is there some significance of game three? A pivot game? As the locale changes, as fatigue or injuries start to set in, what is it about Game 3 that's been such a good indicator for who wins the series under these, uh, uh, at least in the Coach Bud era of the Bucks? Yeah, well, and the good news is 80% of the time it's been the Bucks that have won that game. Yeah. Um, I think, look, uh, kind of going along the lines of the last thing we said about Bud, where he's a, I personally, your assistant coaches do, but I, I don't get wrapped up in the film work and, oh, we got to be ready for this and this and this. Like I, I'm focused on let's go through our sets and let's you know play off our strengths. That I, that's a big part of it because it's not an in-game adjustment that they typically make and that Bud typically makes. It's game to game. So we've seen the longer series go on. The Bucks have been a better team. They're eight and two all time under Bud in Game Three. They're eight and two all time under Bud in Game Four. They've been pretty successful. I don't remember what the number is, but in Game Five and and we we've seen too in closeout situations. They're unbeaten now. When they have a chance to close the opponent out, they take care of business there. So I think that speaks to we don't panic and make adjustments within the game. We'll look at that and do it game to game. And, and so the longer the series goes on, the Bucks have been a team that you would say, okay, here's the adjustments, and we favor them. Um, I saw that, I think it was in the Bulls series, where I, I first noticed, oh, these are the games where they lost. Because the, the only times they've lost to game three was, obviously against the Miami Heat in the bubble and uh, the series against the Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals, which, you know, that's a game that I think we all pointed to before the championship of that's where you lost your title. It was a double overtime game. You close that game out and you're up three games to none. The series is over and you're going to the finals. So I noticed it in the Bulls series and thought, huh, I don't know if this is something. And then again, pointed it out yesterday it was almost with trepidation yesterday of, okay, game three's in Milwaukee. I'm going to remind you, the winner of game three has won the series every single time under Bud. However, it almost feels like it's something that's better pointed out after they win the game. Because sure. if they end up losing, then the doom and gloom sets in of, well, they're 10-0. and The winner is all time in game three. So can the Bucks buck the trend here? and uh, be the first time that the winner of Game 3 has gone on to win that series, or or the loser of Game 3 has gone on to win that series. Well, and the worst part about this for you is now we've all attached this statistic to you. This is the Justin Garcia metric. So if it goes wrong, I'm not saying this is going to be at your feet, but we're definitely going to have you in the front of our mind. That's that's a little concerning. Probably. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Justin. We have all the way until Saturday. You said you're not going to Hogfest, Puddle of Mud, (laughs) the the rock show on Friday night, uh, which is a bummer. 
Uh, but I'm not surprised that shred metal isn't up your alley. It's not up mine either, so it's fine. I don't know. I'll, I'll debate it. I mean, I, I got to <laughs> see who else is on the bill. I was waiting for a late edition, but to be determined. Although, I don't know, maybe we should all go, especially if uh, some unforeseen circumstance comes and Chris Middleton has our miraculous recovery, then maybe all Bucks fans should attend the concert and, and use that as a, hey, thanks a lot because you gave Chris Middleton back to us in the playoffs. Well, uh, you would have hated the show yesterday, by the way. I took probably four or five calls uh, that were all trying to explain why the Bucks are better without Chris Middleton. So I oh, I know I, I might need to take a vacation pretty soon. I wasn't going to waste your time with that question. Thank you, Justin. Uh, enjoy a couple of days off here and uh, and we'll talk to you at some point. Hopefully maybe conference finals somewhere down the line. I appreciate you. Thank you. Well, let's hope. I guess we'll know on Saturday if we'll talk in the conference finals. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. It'll be your fault either way. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, big thanks to Justin Garcia, Bucks Radio Network, for hanging out. Giving us some thoughts on game one, game two. It's a shame they won't send him to Boston, to Beantown. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it's nice to be the guy who stays home. Now, he stays home, hosts the broadcast from the studio, probably kicks his feet up, doesn't have to travel. It's not the worst thing in the world to stay home. Uh, Tomorrow, Zach Heilprin is going to be here. Uh, Well, I guess, to be specific, I'm going to have him on the morning show tomorrow, and I'm going to record it, and we're probably going to play it back tomorrow night. I am going to try to convince Zach to go to London to cover the Packers, and I'm going to try to convince him to take me with him. I've never been out of the country before, and I think I could be a real asset to Zach on this London adventure. I do, and I'm going to try to make the case tomorrow, and I'm really excited. Uh, It's just maybe. I don't know. You never know. Maybe Zach wants a traveling partner, someone to carry his luggage. I'll do that. It's fine. I can be his, uh, his his little helper, his wingman. It's fine. I don't even have to go to the game. I'll watch in the hotel. It's 100% fine. That is my goal, to convince Zach to take me to London in a couple of months. I'm going to try to pass that over tomorrow. We're talking about Celtics, and after we take a break for a zone update here in a few minutes, we will continue to talk Bucks Celtics. One thing that I wanted to mention, along the lines of adjustments, and I got a Facebook message here. So the Wisco Sports Show has a Facebook page. I just don't check it very often, and I'm sorry about that. Bo sent a message. He said, need to use Brooke Lopez more down low. Okay. The Brooke Lopez usage is always a, a talking point in every playoff series because everybody thinks that you should play smaller, right? Giannis should play center, play small ball, get out and run. Whereas the old school way of thinking is playing with a true center, a little back to the basket stuff, maybe some entry passes, right? Now, I'm not sure if I disagree or agree with Bo and his take that they need to use Lopez underneath. Because if his Lopez is underneath, now Giannis is hanging out on the wing or somewhere and he probably doesn't have the ball in his hand. So that opens up a whole nother conversation. One thing that I wanted to share with you is the numbers, the on-off numbers for... When Giannis is on the floor and Brooke and Bobby and the combination when all of them are on the floor together. Okay, so here, here, here's what I got. Lineups featuring Giannis, Lopez, and Portis have scored 60.5 points per 100 possessions against Boston through two games. That's not good. That's actually, that's actually quite horrendous. 
when Giannis, Lopez, and Portis are all on the floor at the same time, compared to 100 points per 100 possessions when Giannis and Lopez play without Portis. And even more impressive, 111.8 points per 100 possessions when Giannis and Portis play without Lopez. Okay, so when all three of them are out there, it hasn't been good. When Giannis and Lopez have been out there, it's been pretty good. And when Giannis and Portis have been out there, it's been pretty good. The triple tower look of Giannis, Lopez, and Portis was really good against the Bulls because as we talked about going into that series, they have no answer. I said that series is going to end Tristan Thompson's career, and it probably won't because Tristan Thompson had that moment in 2016, and he has like a million kids, I think one of them with a Kardashian. I don't know. So he's going to remain relevant, and he'll probably have a job. I mean, God, DeAndre Jordan is starting for the Sixers right now. He's been toast for three years. So Tristan Thompson's career will probably go on, but the point remains, the Bulls had nobody to protect the rim underneath. So go through Brooke, go through Bobby, go through Giannis. It doesn't matter because you're going to run over Tristan Thompson and Nikola Vucevic and anyone else who's down there, right? Boston's a little bit different. Boston has Grant Williams and Al Horford and Robert Williams and Daniel Tice. All four of those are better options than the best option that Chicago has. So maybe the triple tower lineup, not the way you want to go on offense. Doesn't mean you can't play them together but maybe more sparingly, and maybe you want to go with the more Twin Towers approach, Giannis and Lopez together or Giannis and Portis together, but maybe not all three. At least that's what the numbers would tell us per 100 possessions through this series so far. And two games is young, and they both been in Boston, and last night's game was weird, but maybe Bud in game three, instead of playing three bigs, the Triple Towers, maybe he just goes to more of a Twin Towers look. Take your pick, two of the three at a time. Maybe shake the dust off, shake the dust off Serge Vaca. Who knows? I don't know. We'll continue to talk about this. Maybe a lineup change or two. Probably not, but maybe. What did the Bucks do wrong last night? I think it's more about what the Celtics did right. And we'll continue to talk about that coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show.